Welcome to another vital message from Pastor Ron Hammonds, Senior Pastor of Golden Triangle Church on the Rock in Southeast Texas. We're so glad you're joining us. For more information about Golden Triangle Church on the Rock Ministries, visit our website, cotr.com. Enjoy the Word. I believe that God has a very special Word for us every time we come together. And tonight, it seems like it's an extra special Word. There's something I love about what God is doing in the earth right now. He is ramping up. He's, he's, he's spinning up. He's, uh, uh, he's, he's uh, you know... Uh, well, the Bible says that when the enemy comes in, like a flood, the Spirit of the Lord lifts up a standard against him. Exodus 1.12 also says that the more that the people were afflicted, the more they multiplied and grew. I know that there is a principle that says that when God you know, uh, looks down upon the earth and things aren't going well, when things get bad, God gets good. And God is getting good for us and with us, to us again tonight by His Word. We're going to be going to the book of Judges, specifically tonight, chapter 4, and we may get into chapter 5 a little bit. Tonight we're going to share uh, with some of what I consider my favorite Bible characters. You know, outside of God and Jesus, the Holy Spirit, and of course, you know, the holy angels of God, uh, there are some some very specific Bible characters that I have used all of my life to help me fashion my life and strengthen myself in times of need. I believe that the Bible, you know, uh, is accurate. And by the way, you know, 611,000 words, isn't that amazing? Written by, you know, perhaps 40 authors over about 1,500 years, 66 books, and yet they all tell the same story. They all fit together like a puzzle, perfectly fit together, telling the very same story. The Bible only tells one story. It's a story of redemption. And the Bible is more than just a historical account of what happened in the lives of people that God interacted with through history. It's more than just a history book. The Bible is a road map. It is designed and meant by God to inspire us and encourage us, to correct us, to reprove us, to you know, give us instructions in life. And the way um, it, it best does that is whenever we go to the Word of God, and we can find ourselves in the Word of God. People going through things that we have gone through. People, you know, uh, encountering questions of life that we have. Uh, people, you know, conquering, uh, you know, finding victory in a situation. Conquering their own fears. Conquering their own doubts. And, and uh, victory in a situation. And then gaining victory over the situation. And that's what we're going to find during these next few Wednesday evenings together. Should the Lord allow... We're going to look at a few of the favorite Bible characters, my favorite Bible characters, that I go to over and over to encourage me and inspire me. Their life story is, uh, is inspiration. You know, it's, it's encouragement. I know it has been to me, and I know it will be to you. The specific Bible character we're going to look at this evening is a young lady, one of my very favorite, perhaps, you know, uh, I could say at times my very favorite character in the Bible. Uh, you may not know a lot about her, but her name is J.L. We're going to find her in the book of Judges. The book of Judges is a, is a collection uh, of people that God called over the space of about 400 years uh, to help His children uh, get over or get through something in life. Now, 
Jael was not one of the judges, but she's found in the book of Judges. During her life, God had raised up a woman named Deborah, a prophetess named Deborah. And Deborah was uh, leading the people of God to victory. You know, the, the children of God went from generation to generation to generation. And, and without the leadership of the Lord, without the strong word, without a teaching priest, and without, you know, keeping the law, and without, you know, uh, keeping mindful of their, uh, their relationship with the one true and living God, they would fall into worldly sin. They would get in such a place to where the world would gain strength over them or opportunity over them, and they would open themselves up to, uh, you know, to um, judgment, as it were. And in this period of time, uh, there was an enemy in the land of Israel. It was a Canaanite enemy. And the king of the Canaanites was a king named Jabin. And he had a captain of his army named Sisera. Sisera was the commander of the Canaanite army, and he was causing great problems, and, you know, he was uh, just causing a lot of problems for the children of Israel. So God raised up this prophetess named Deborah, and she began to prophesy the deliverance of the children of Israel. And what God instructed her to do was to call a, a, a commander named Barak, and to encourage him and inspire him and motivate him and give him the word of the Lord. And he drew an army together. And when they were ready to go to war, ready to go out to battle, uh, they were on Mount Tabor, which is in the Jezreel Valley. Many of you perhaps have been with me there. I've, I've, I've taken so many people to see this place where Deborah spoke to Barak. And Barak, uh, uh, he, he, he was afraid. And so Deborah said that, you know, God is going to deliver the children of Israel by the hand of a woman today. And so that woman she was speaking of was Jael. Uh, Deborah may or may not have known exactly who it was. She was just prophesying. Jael certainly did not know that she had been called uh, and, and, and commissioned, ordained, destined to bring deliverance to the children of Israel. But nonetheless, she had been. And so we pick up on this story with Barak fighting with Sisera in the valley of Jezreel, and he's beginning to win. The Lord is giving them victory, and they begin to chase uh, the Israelites and under, the, un, under Barak, begin to chase these Canaanites, and they chase them, you know, uh, uh, maybe 20 miles northward. Well, on that trek, on that chase, as they were killing uh, the, the, the Canaanites and winning a great victory, the captain and the commander of the Canaanites named Sisera, he bailed out of his chariot. Uh, you know, we don't know, perhaps, you know, six, you know, to, to, to eight miles into the journey. And wouldn't you know it, he bailed out near the tent of a man named Heber, whose wife is named Jael. Heber and Jael, they were not Jews, and they were not Canaanites. They were descendants of Moses' father-in-law, Jethro. They were nomadic Arabs. And in the days when Moses was leading the children of Israel out of Egypt and into the Promised Land, uh, he asked his brother-in-law, uh, he said, will you go with us? If you will go with us and you will show us the way and, you know, teach us the nomadic principles because all these people, leading all these people across the desert, you know, uh, it, it's, it's, it's not real easy. If you'll help me lead them and get them into the promised land, then you can inherit with the children of God. 
And so Moses' brother-in-law helped Moses to guide and to lead. And, uh, you know, he knew and understood the nomadic principles. The children of Israel had been in Egypt, living in homes, living in houses. And now they were out in the wilderness living in a tent. They needed some instruction. So the brother-in-law of Moses helped him through the wilderness and went into the promised land, his descendants did. And here, years later, uh, is one of his descendants, Heber the Kenite, the Bible says. And uh, Heber, not a Jew, not a Canaanite, but he was friends with both. He was friends with King Jabin. Okay? And so uh, here, let's pick up on the story because Heber is not at home. He has left his tent. He's, uh, you know, his, his tent is out uh, kind of, you know, like, like uh, some nomadic uh, Arabs did in that day and still do in this day. You know, they moved their tent around and he had moved his tent out a little ways from uh, the others. And so, uh, and he has gone to see King Jabin. Interesting. Let's pick up in, in Judges chapter 4 and verse 17. However, Sisera fled away on foot. He had bailed out of his chariot. And he fled away on foot to the tent of Jael, the wife of Heber the Kenite. For there was peace between Jabin uh, of Hazor, the king of Hazor, and the house of Heber the Kenite. And Jael went out to meet Sisera. Now remember, Sisera is the king of the army and, and, uh, of, of the Canaanites. And Jael is the wife of Heber. She goes out of her tent to meet Sisera. And she said to this commander of the Canaanite army, Turn aside, my lord, turn aside to me. Do not fear. And when he had turned aside with her into the tent, she covered him with a blanket. Oh, amazing, huh? When he turned aside and went with her into the tent, she covered him with a blanket. Wow. Now here she's seeming to be very friendly, but there is a calling of God on her life. Let's, uh, let's look and see what happens. Then, then he said to her, please give me a little drink, uh, a, a little water to drink, for I am thirsty. So she opened a jug of milk and gave him a drink and covered him. Now all he's asking for is water. But instead of water, she gives him a little drink of milk. Warm milk, of course, because they live out in the desert. They're living you know, on the plains in the valley of Jezreel. And uh, any milk that she had, most likely goat's milk, you know, uh, and, and uh, it, it would have been warm. She gave him some warm milk to drink. He laid down in her tent, and she covered him with a blanket. And he said to her in verse 20, Stand at the door of the tent, and if any man comes and inquires of you and says, Is there any man here you shall say no. Then Jael, Heber's wife, took a tent peg and took a hammer in her hand. Now, listen to what happened now. She went and she took a tent peg and she took a hammer in her hand. And the Bible says she went softly to him and drove the tent peg into his temple and it went out into the ground, for he was fast asleep and weary, so he died. How amazing. How amazing is that account 
uh, you know, I, I, don't, I don't love this account because of the violence or because of any other reason other than seeing someone that is called by God, someone, uh, you know, how, you know, this leaves me with a couple of questions. Number one, why in the world did God choose J.L.? And a second question I have is why did J.L. choose a tent peg and a hammer? Well, both the answers, um, they are rather the answer to both of these questions come from a similar basic truth. The reason why God chose J.L. is because J.L. was prepared. She was ready. You know, why? Well, I'll tell you about that in just a moment. And also, why did J.L. choose a tent peg and a hammer? Well, uh, listen, listen to this simple daily life truth. J.L. was a housewife, a homemaker. And a homemaker in the you know, nomadic Arab culture was a, you know, a person who took care of the home, but their home was a tent. So it was someone who took care of the tent. Now, follow me in this reality. We know from historical accounts and even from looking into modern culture in that particular part of the world that a homemaker, a wife, is responsible for making sure that the home, making sure that the tent is taken care of. Just like today, you know, a homemaker, if, if, if you meet someone and say, what do you do? And they say, well, I'm a, I'm a homemaker, I'm a housewife. That usually indicates that they're going to make sure they're taking care of the home while perhaps uh, the, the spouse, the husband, is out, you know, working in the field, you know, providing uh, food or money or taking care, in this case, of, of goats or camels or sheep or, you know, uh, whatever other animals and, and doing the business uh, outside the home. She was homemaking. Homemaking, when you have a tent, means that every day, it's not just the sweeping, it's not just the cooking. It means that every day you're having to make sure that those tent ropes, those tent cords are tight so that the tent doesn't droop and, and, and sink and making sure that those pegs are driven into the ground. Now there in the valley of Jezreel, the, the, the middle part of the valley, uh, you know, is, 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 is wet and, it, and, and, you know, often wet. But up on the edges where you would put a tent is rocky. You know, it's, 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 uh, uh, you know, it, it, it has a, a little tree cover here and there, but the ground is hard. And driving a tent peg into that ground, as jail would have had to do every day, day in and day out, every day, making sure that those tent pegs and, and having new tent pegs and sharpening tent pegs or, or perhaps, you know, making tent pegs and making sure that they were, you know, uh, uh, pounded in the ground. Uh, why did J.L. choose a tent peg and a hammer? Because it was her tent peg and her hammer. She was very familiar with it. Every day, no doubt, many times, each week she had that tent peg and that hammer in her hand. Don't you know that day after day, in the ordinary, everyday, humdrum, day in and day out, mundane duties of life, which we all have. You know, we all have every day, day in and day out, ordinary duties of life. We all have things that are rather boring, that are rather monotonous, that are rather ordinary. But you know what J.L. had done? 
Jael had become great in her ordinary. You see, both heaven and earth choose aggressive, decisive, and determined individuals to lead the defining battles of life. Let me say that again. Both heaven and earth choose aggressive, decisive, and determined individuals to lead the defining battles of life. But you will find no one conquering the extraordinary if they cannot first conquer the ordinary. You will find no one excelling in something great if they don't have the ability to take care of the ordinary every day, day in and day out. Simple things, you know, get up, take a shower, you know, comb your hair, you know, wash your clothes, wash your dishes, you know, uh, you know uh, sweep your floors, uh, put gas in your car, uh, you know, uh, you know uh, pay your bills, uh, you know, I mean, go to work, you know, day in and day out, boring, humdrum, mow the yard, you know, uh, uh, day in and day out, day in and day out, day in and day out, taking care of the normal, everyday, ordinary, routine, mundane, monotonous, boring details of life. That's why God chose J.L., because J.L. was great in her ordinary. She was aggressive, decisive, and determined to do what she did with all of her heart. So when it came time for God to call her to do something extraordinary, He knew that she would approach the extraordinary just like she did the ordinary. This agrees with the principle that Jesus said, if you're faithful over the little, you'll also be faithful over the much. And if you're faithful over the little, God will make you Lord over more. Many times people are waiting for something great to happen so that they can be great. You won't be great unless you are great in your ordinary every day, day in and day out. It's just very simple. Jesus said in two places, one in Matthew 20 and one in Matthew 22. He said this twice. He said, many are called, but few are chosen. What's the difference between being called and chosen? Why are many called, but only a few chosen? Because only a few prepare themselves. Unfortunately, preparation is a part of life. And it is essential to success. And what prepares us? Life. If you want to know what God wants you to do, look behind you and see what He's prepared you to do. He prepared J.L. J.L. worked with him. And every day driving those tent pegs, every day, you know, uh, uh, you know uh, sharpening those tent pegs, driving those tent pegs, every, she knew, she was confident. There's, there's, there's nothing more powerful than a person who is confident that they can do what needs to be done. There she went softly. She placed that tent peg on his temple. And there, no doubt, with one swift, strong, accurate, confident blow, drove it through his temple and into the ground. I know that seems graphic, but back away from the violence for just a moment and consider the principle. Have you conquered the ordinary? Do you qualify? Are you ready? Or will you fail in the day of adversity? What will you do? Will God use you? Will God call you? 
Are you waiting around on something big, something great? Are you waiting around on something that's not boring? Well, while you're waiting, what you do while you're waiting can determine how long you wait, but it can also determine whether you're successful when it comes your turn, or even if you are chosen at all. God knew. He had already prophesied through the prophetess Deborah that he was going to deliver Israel by the hands of a woman that day because God knew a woman. He knew a woman who was ready, a woman who was prepared, a woman that he could call that would not miss the day of her calling, would not miss the opportunity. She was ready. Are you ready? God calls people who are prepared, you know, and so do we. You know, in, in what world would we allow uh, someone who says, well, I feel called to be an airplane pilot, but they've never done anything. Would we let them get at the controls of that, you know, 777 and fly us to Europe? No. That would be, that, that would be stupidity, okay? Well, God's a lot smarter than we are. In what world would we let someone say, well, I feel called to be a neurosurgeon, you know, and, uh, you know, and I'm, I'm 50 years old. I know a lot, you know, and I've, 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 I've felt called to be a neurosurgeon all of my life. But unless they had prepared, unless they had worked for it, unless they, you know, we would not let them perform brain surgery on us or any of our friends. And yet we, as children of God, we, as ministers of the Lord, we handle not just the things of this life, but we handle the things of eternal life. We should be prepared. And what has God chosen to prepare you for the great days to come, for the greatest opportunities, for the extraordinary opportunities? He is using everyday life. What is my encouragement to you today? Become great in your ordinary. Become great. Don't, don't let boredom hide the fact that God is working on you, that others are watching and God is watching. He's called you to do something great, and it may take a little preparation. Uh, we also see in the fifth chapter of Judges, Deborah, she wrote a song. The fourth chapter and the fifth chapter are, you know, are... Uh, just the same story. The fifth chapter is the story in song. And, and Deborah said this about Jael. Chapter, 20, uh, chapter 5, verse 24. Most blessed among women is Jael, the wife of Heber, the Kenite. Blessed is she among women in the tents. He asked for water. She gave him milk. She brought out cream in a lordly bowl. She stretched her hand to the tent peg her right hand to the workman's hammer. She pounded Sisera and pierced his head. She split and struck through his temple. At her feet he sank. He fell and lay still. At her feet he sank. He fell. Where he sank, there he fell dead. She defeated the enemies of the Lord. Sisera of course, was a physical enemy, but represents so many other enemies in our lives. Perhaps it represents fear. 
worry, anxiety, frustration, turmoil, maybe sin, something, you know, that is, you know, deceiving you and leading you astray, whatever it may be, how do you conquer the enemies of God? You conquer them because you are aggressive, decisive, and determined, and because you are prepared. Stay prepared. Become great in your ordinary and start your greatness today. Thanks again for joining us for another relevant word from Pastor Ron Hammonds. Visit cotr.com and subscribe to our social media platforms to stay up to date. As well, receive more encouraging messages from our pastor and details of the work we're doing both in our community and communities like ours around the world. Today and every day, God bless.